from the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. Welcome to From the Terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. This is Amy Gray. I'm sitting in for Tim Armitage this week and I am joined in the studio by Mex johnson Fay. Good afternoon. Hello, Mex. Thanks for joining us. We'll also have Matt Lockwood on the phone and Billy Harling-Waters. He's not in the studio this week, but he has been out and about for us this week. We'll be looking at all our local teams, hearing from Neil Harris, Dara Marjoram, Paul Burling and Chris Nunn. Billy was also at the book launch for Cambridge United's Greatest Moments and he spoke to Harrison Dunk, an injury update from him and Dunk's picks his favourite moment. We might hear, maybe we'll hear Mex's favourite moment as well later. <laughs> and Daniel Baker, who hosted the show last week, he's been looking back at the fortunes of our teams in 2023. Calendar year review, which will begin today and that will be later on in the programme. We are live in the Gwyde Street studio, so you can text and WhatsApp us with any of your thoughts on this weekend's football for United, City and Histon, 07919 070490 or email studio at cambridge105.co.uk We've got a lot going on. Are you ready, Mex? I'm all ready. Let's go. <laughs> okay, let's start with the U's. Well, another, well, I guess a comeback again this week. Didn't leave it quite as late. A 2-1 win against Blackpool at the Abbey. Blackpool took the lead after 25 minutes. Old Jordan Rhodes there. Still goes doing well, isn't he? He's actually having a good season, isn't he? I think he's one of the top or second top goal scorers. Yeah, keeps knocking him in, doesn't he? Uh, The equaliser for United came seven minutes later from Elias Kachunga. And then another penalty from Ahadmi to take the lead just before half-time. 2-1 to the U's. And well, that's the way the scoreline stayed despite a second yellow for Paul Digby in the 79th minute. So three points this week, four in total for the team under Neil Harris. And we sit 16th on the table with 24 points. Hopefully we've got Matt Lockwood with us. Hi, Amy. Hi, everyone. Hi, Matt. Good to have you here. So a 2-1 win. What did you make of that? Um, yeah, it was it was really good. It was a really good comeback win. Um, you know, something that had been lacking in, in recent seasons. And, um, you know, again, one of the reasons why Mark Bonner probably lost his job in the end is that once we went a goal down... Um, we weren't able to get back into a lot of games. Um, but, you know, to show the, the character that we did do, albeit, we have to say, with a, with a little bit of help from a, a very fussy referee yesterday who, you know, thought, it, you know, Christmas had come early and start handing out his cards a little bit earlier for everyone. Um, but, you know, we, we showed character. And then the, the second half, you know, with, with the lead, we, we managed to see the game out really well. Probably should have added a third with, with George Thomas hitting the post and... Um, you know, Gassan had may having another chance, which which he probably should have scored from. And then, as you say, the the red card for for Paul Digby. Um, you know, leaving Blackpool plenty of time to get back in the game. But you know, one of the things I thought we were yesterday in, in those sort of last fifteen twenty minutes is we were incredibly streetwise. 
to see out the game. And, you know, Neil Harris rang some changes, went, you know, a little bit more defensive, as you would do with 10 men. And, um, you know, I think it was the most comfortable seeing out of a, of a game that we've had in a little while, especially with 10 men. So, you know, really pleasing with the character and, you know, the grit shown by the players yesterday, you know, a really good performance and, uh, you know, three valuable points that we probably probably didn't expect when, when Blackpool took the lead. So did you think the second yellow was fair? You thought that was excessive? Mm. Uh, it, it, it was hard to tell. I mean, you know, I, I think Paul Digby won the ball, um, but in the situation he was in, I think it's all what you're always asking for trouble. And, and that's the problem with the referee who was, you know, particularly fussy, uh, completely, you know, just couldn't make a decision one way or the other at, the t- at a time. Um, you know, it, it just gave him an excuse to show the, the second yellow card. And, um, you know, when we listened to Neil's comments, you know, I think he put it perfectly. You know, sometimes in those situations, that, that type of challenge isn't needed, especially when you're already on a yellow card and in the referee's mind about it. So, you know, I think it was harsh. Um, but, you know, when you put yourself in that position, you know, you, you are asking for trouble sometimes. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the referee saw it the wrong way and, and Paul Digby will, will have another suspension now. Well, let's hear from Neil Harris now. Billy spoke to him for us after yesterday's match. Well, Neil, a barnstorming affair here this afternoon at the Abbey, but an affair that you all feel your side fully deserved the points from. It was a, a really hard-working display. Yeah, look, if you break the game down a little bit, um, first half, our thought. Blackpool, I thought we started well, and I thought that the conditions played a huge part in the game, didn't it? You know, the conditions, the wind trying to get out of our half was really tough. Um, and we didn't necessarily play in the right areas early in the game. You know, put ourselves under a bit of pressure at times. Um, but as soon as we got back to 1 1, um, it was all us for the rest of the half. And, and being 2 1 up, we, you know, we knew we could cause problems in the second half. And I felt Blackpool at times had a lot of control possession but without really causing us a problem. And I thought it was a, a, a real threat. When we got in their final third or on the counter-attack, it was a real threat. And, and ultimately, we've had a one-on-one we should score and and Tomo's hit the post as well. So the best chances have fallen to us. Um, you're 2-1 up. You feel in control. Never really felt under pressure. Um, and then you lose one of your most experienced players on the pitch to a red card. And, and, and then we have to make a decision. How are we going to see the game out? Try and see the game out. And what I will say is whatever decision I'm, I made, I decided to go to a back five to see it out. Credit goes to the players. And I must praise the players because it's not always just about uh, shape. It's about discipline, desire. And, and ultimately, it's about personality and character to get three points. And we showed that today. Opening 25 minutes, not a lot between the sides, but... Jordan Rhodes showing his quality from the set piece, but you'll be a bit disappointed with the defending in terms of not picking him up. Yes, yeah. Um, again, it's early days in my tenure, and you know they have to get used to my ideas on how we're going to attack, how we're going to defend, and and then you know restarts as well. You know, goal kicks, free kicks, penalties. You know, there's a lot of decisions to be made, and and, and today. Look, I can accept it today because we've won the game of football, um, but there's grey areas to, to, to the the moment that led to the goal, and we have to be better. And I'm not just talking about the ball in the box, uh, where it's a free header at the back. Uh, I'm talking about from uh, what happens 30 seconds before that, when we, they've got a goal kick, we don't get it right. Um, then we give a silly free kick away because we don't get the goal kick right. And then we concede from the silly free kick and the silly goal kick. So... The knock-on effect is, is huge for us and it's powerful to be able to deliver to the players to say, look, if we don't get it right at times, this is what could happen against good sides. Um, and if you're going to get punished, then Jordan Rose is certainly going to be a player that's going to punish you. Yeah, you've been talking about those messages and one of those messages, messages was, was for your side to be 
are collectively productive. And Elias Kachunga, you know, been talking about scoring more goals, and he had a brilliant game today, and right place, right time to get the equaliser. Yeah, Manine Gassan scored. Well, it's a penalty kick, but he scored, and, and my nine and a half stroke ten scored as well. So look, I, I'm absolutely delighted. Um, I'm delighted for catching. The moment I walked in the door, his leadership qualities, his personality, and his ability, his, his class. Um, I thought it was some really strong performances today. Um, but Michael Morrison was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Um, um, you know, just a special mention for Jack Lancaster, who didn't get on the pitch today, but has arguably been the best player in training since I've been here. Um, and the cut times I was putting him on, instance happened um, that I couldn't put him on. So, you know, it's important that, that people realise it's not just about players that score, not about players that are on the pitch, it's about the collective people off the pitch as well. Yeah, Cassana had me. I mean, in terms of a, a centre forward, I mean, you're playing with just one centre forward in the squad at the moment, but five in five, he's a, he's a player in form, Neil. You'll be happy with that. He is, he's our number nine, he's my number nine. Um, and that's the biggest compliment I can give him, he's my number nine. Um, Elias is a great foil for him because he's so experienced, so clever, so diligent in his work with and without the ball. Um, and, and when you're a young striker, this, this, he's not playing on his own because we get people really close to him. But he's ultimately the only number nine in the squad, as you said, and the only nine out and out nine that's starting. You need to make sure that you've got support around him. And he's got that certainly with Elias. In terms of the chances in the second half, you mentioned obviously George hit in the post and the chance for Gassan early in the second half, but the red card changes things a little bit. How, how did you see that red card? Look like perhaps he got a, a touch on the ball, Paul? I, I thought he got a touch on the ball. Is, is it so we just discussed it there? Look, he's absolutely fine. He's not in trouble with us. There's no there's no punishment for him because you know he's generally trying to affect the ball and trying to affect the game. Um, I thought he it was like literally three yards in front of me, and I thought he touched the ball. But I can also see why the referee sent him off from where he is. So I, you know, I understand that. And I said to Diggers, look, for, for us, we just got to make sure we get those decisions right. You know, he's it's a 50-50 call. He's gone for the ball. We just need to make sure we won't always get away with it. Today, the lads don't get out of the hole. Yeah, but the, and the collective desire, I think, to, to, to get over the line, get the points. I was all backed up by the fact, the barometer of the fact that, you know, you bring Zeno on, everyone to a man, ensuring that that ball doesn't go in the back of the net. And Jack really didn't have too much to do in terms of saves towards the end of the game. No, I think I think one chance, Blackpool have one chance. You know, there are a lot of crosses in the box, a lot of possession sideways. But ultimately, when you've got 10 players, you're going to give that away. You're gonna, you have to give the ball up. You can't get after the ball, not against a good side anyway. Um, and, and they did. And that's why I say I have to praise my players again, because it's only my ideas. You know, it's only, it's, I'm only there to put a plan in place. They have to deliver that game plan, and that'd be the same. And, and again, I can't praise them enough for for not just today's result, but large parts of the performance. Scrappy performance at times, but a battling performance. I'd say Cambridge night performance, in my opinion. Um, and but the week in front of it was first class. And how happy are you that side, you know, continue the momentum and the confidence from last week to to go on and get the points here today? I see. Momentum is a key word. You know, today we wanted, a, certainly wanted a, a positive out of it. Um, a result, positive result was was primary target, but if not a really positive performance, uh, just to carry that momentum to get a really strong performance to win the game like we did again in adversity, like last week from two down to get a point today, down to ten men to see the game out. You know, credit to the players, and you know, that shows I've got character in that change room. Um, but momentum carries for another week to Friday night. You know, we've got a huge game Friday night. I said to the so to the boys, WNG, win the next game mentality is, is how I work. My, my focus now is on Exeter already. Um, but the lads, they've got to enjoy their weekend. Then when it comes in Monday, they're ready to work. To carry that momentum, to get three points from my first game here at the Abbey as Cambridge United manager, I can't be more privileged and proud. 
Yeah, I was going to say, finally, the, I mean, the atmosphere here towards the end of the game, when you were so, so close to that final whistle going, it must have been, meant a lot for you. You wanted to win that first game. You want to make this place a tough place for teams to come. You must be chuffed to bits. Yeah, delighted. And again, look, performance. Look, Blackpool, stats-wise, are the, probably the best pressing team in the division. So they don't give you a chance to play. You can't, can't pass the ball against them. They just press all over the pitch. So you, you have to play in the right areas. And I thought some of the decision-making, the quality we played with was excellent. Um, but it, you're right, the fans were with, with the team. As they always are. They always are here. Um, and I can only ask you know, to continue that during my tenure. Um, but at the end, I think the terraces were a little bit nervous. I think the bench was a little bit nervous. The one area in the stadium wasn't nervous was the pitch. You know, the, lads, the, lads, the lads were confident, they just said in there that uh, we, we didn't feel in danger. We felt we were set to see the game out and we were comfortable with it. Great players. Thanks, Neil. Well done Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for the audio, Billy. Well, there you go, Max. W-N-G. W-T-N-G. Yeah, it's good. He's coming in with the acronyms now. <laughs> Loving that one. And he was talking about, uh, you know, after conceding with a set piece, uh, res- a good result, resilience. Matt, presumably you agree with that because that's exactly what you said. <laughs> Yeah, I do, and um, you know, as he as he said there, as Neil said, it's it, you know the defending wasn't great for the first goal, but it's something that he's going to work on. He's only been in the job a week, and you know he's had two games already, um, and he, he's still got time to put his ideas across. And um, one thing I think that Neil Harris side always has been, you know, you go from you know his career at Millwall and Gillingham and Cardiff as well, is one thing they do have is character, and you know they won't go under easily. Um, you know, there will be, you know, big defeats coming along and we know that, you know, we will play some bigger, bigger, better sides. And I thought, you know, for the first 45 minutes at times, Blackpool were one of the best teams I've seen. So we know there's going to be a big defeat at some point against the bigger sides in this league. But it's about, especially at home, you've got to show that resilience and that character. And then, you know, you've got to just do it in a different way away from home. And I, and I think that's one of the things is he, you know, he will bring, you know, a bit more of a streetwise way of playing, especially when we're under pressure. So it's a good start. But as I say, so like I said last week as well, it's a long, long season yet left yet. And, we, you know, we've got to do that continuously now. And Mex had made another penalty. Mm-hmm. He, he's in pretty good form. Very good form. He's. I think that's five and five now for him. Um, so yeah, um, as he said, he's his number nine. It's his main striker, and yeah, it looks like he could be the difference. Um, but I think we also need to mention um, Kachunga because uh, he's in really good form as well. Um, and obviously, coming back from injury, um, he he just looks like he could be the difference maker. And this is a guy who's played at high levels. So this is a guy who's played at Huddersfield, he's played at Bolton, um, and he's an international for DR Congo. Uh, so he's played in international tournaments. So I think between those two and a solid base behind them, um, Cambridge United could be good for the rest of the season. Do you think you, are your expectations growing for them as a duo then? You're, you're expecting to see more from them? I think it's more steadying the ship. Um, first and then yeah um, going forward um, yeah hopefully they build on that and yeah I think should be comfortable for the league and hopefully um, rise up that table um, but yeah I was going to ask you Matt if you gauged anything in particular from uh, Neil Harris's um, interview um, I, well I think you know he, he mentioned quite a few players there um, last week he mentioned James Brophy for instance you know who I, I thought was outstanding again yesterday um, uh, you know the forefront of everything creative which 
um, you know, he's had in his locker for a while. We probably haven't seen it enough throughout this season. And I think, you know, the, the ball into to the box for the first goal was James Bro- James Brophy's cross into, you know, into the box. Um, you know, the chance that started, you know, where George Thomas almost, you know, hit the post. You know, I think he laid the ball out wide and it's little things like that. I think Gilberto Alcadena has been absolutely fantastic the past three games. Um, and it, it, he looks like the, the player we thought he could be. Um, you know, in a little while, but as he says with his little motto, you know, it's you know, WNG win the next game, mm-hmm. and that that has got to be the the thing going all the way through. Um, we know we're not going to win every game. We know that. It, it, you know, the, we're we're not going to be up in the playoffs. We haven't got the budget for it. We haven't got the squad depth for you know, perhaps at at this precise point in time, the quality of player needed to be in the playoffs. But we have got a good group of players here who do work hard. And, you know, as of right now, the, the morale is high. They're playing some good football. They're, they, you know, they look like they're playing for each other. They're moving the ball a lot, lot quicker. And, you know, they're going forward a lot, lot faster. And um, as I say, you know, it's got to keep going. We've got a busy Christmas period coming up and there's some yeah. good teams in in that run. And, we, you know, we've got some hard places to go to yet. What would you say, because I'm just looking at the fixtures, obviously, um, Friday 22nd, we've got Exeter at home. And then on the 26th, you've got Oxford United um, away, and then Stevenage away uh, three days after. And then, obviously, Leighton Orient on um, New Year's Day. Uh, what would you say would be the toughest fixtures out of those ones? So, I, I think the, the, the two away ones are definitely the ones that stick out in the mind. I mean, if if we play like we have done in the past two games against Exeter and Leighton Orient, uh, and especially at home, I fully expect us to beat them. There's absolutely no reason that we shouldn't beat them. But going to Oxford away, who, you know, like Blackpool, press high, really good football inside, um, you know, got some real good quality in that team. And I don't think we have the greatest record uh, at the Kassam either. So, you know, I, I fully expect it. You know, if we can get a draw there, I'll be really impressed. If, if, we, if we lose there, I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever. And then Stevenage, you know exactly what Stevenage are like. They're, you know, they're a Steve Evans side. They will do, you know, tactical fouls. They will waste time. But one thing they are is they are very, very organised and they know how to play football and they know how to beat teams. They're not second, third in the table where they are at the moment, you know, because they, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They're, they're, been under, you know, underappreciated by a lot of people, and I think a lot of people, you know, haven't shown them the respect that they should have done. And he's he's a good manager, you know. We don't like yeah. saying it, but he is a good manager, and he knows what to do, and he knows how to win football games. So, two away games are the toughest ones, and if we get any points from you know any one of those games, I'll be really happy with that. But win the home games first, let's win them, and then you know we we can assess going into the January window. Yeah, I agree. I think if we get four points in the home games, and uh, yeah, we come away with points against Oxford United and Stevenage. Yeah, I think that would be a good good end to the year and then yeah we can push on um, for the start of the season we have this you know we have the rush of festive fixtures how long Matt until you start thinking I, I want to see what the Neil Harris approach is what's the Neil Harris philosophy how many games do you think until you can start sort of looking at that seeing what he's doing yeah I, I mean he's with these run of fixtures I think I'll, we'll be able to see it a little bit more because I, I would imagine there'll have to be some rotation in the team and he's going to have to use the squad, um, you know, for people that are available and, 
you know, you know, injuries in training and the, you know, suspensions and illness will will dictate what he can and can't do. Obviously, as as we know, and as Max says, you know, he, he identified Hadme as his number nine, and that's because he is the only one available. He's the only one fit right now. If he, if he plays through all four games going into January, I, I mean, I'll be surprised. Um, he might play Elias Kachunga um, as a striker and maybe bring Jack Lancaster, you know, to play behind Elias potentially, or he could, you know, move Sully Kai Kai around. Um, so he ha- he's not, you know, just the only striker. There are people that can play there, but just not the way that you know uh, Gassan uh, had made plays. So um, I think those runner fixtures will will bring out you know the type of team that Neil wants us to be. Whether he's got those players to do it, you know, it's another matter entirely, and it's something that you know I'm probably sure he'll be assessing going into that January window. I think he's already made it. You know, uh, you know, last week they said he's going to look for another right back because as good as Liam Bennett is, he's the only right back in the in the squad right now, and you need somebody there because he's going to need a rest at some point. He'll play all four games. I have no doubt about that, but. You know the, the the shape he might come out of it after those four games. You know might be detrimental to to him and to his game. So, you know that's one one area. And I think obviously a striker with Fajiri or kind of Bire being out until some point in the new year, we've, we've got ten to twelve weeks. Um, you know he's going to have to look for another striker, and it's about bringing that striker into this group of players. That's you know going to make a difference as well. Everywhere else, as I say, I think we're we're quite set and quite well you know, covered for, but, you know, it's going to be interesting. He's got four games, and I say he's going to have to use every single player of that squad at some point, barring maybe the goalkeeper. And, um, you know, then I think he'll, they'll be able to form and gel with him and Neil will be able to see the players that, you know, perhaps don't fit his system and potentially, you know, he might want to move on in January or in the summer. So, yeah, I, I think going into that window, after that late Orient game, there'll be, you know, a much more clear identity of what Neil wants from his playing style and then what he wants from the players and how the players, you know, react to the way he wants to play too. Well, let's look forward to. We'll see when you're back here with Tim Armitage in January. We'll see how things have panned out. And so you're expecting maybe a bit of movement in the January transfer window? Yeah, I, I think there'll be some. I think, you know, there'll definitely be a, a right back come in, um, a, a striker probably, but again, it's dependent on what type of money he's got available. And I think there'll be the players that will they will go out on loan potentially or, you know, they, people might come in for them. Um, so, but, you know, it, it's down to Neil. And as I say, there's some of the youngsters who he hasn't mentioned, which is quite interesting for now. You know, Glenn McConnell was... You know, got a start against, uh, um, came on a sub against Fleetwoods and did quite well. Um, I think he, he came on the, the game previous and made a really big impression when we lost at home. And, um, you know, it, it's those type of youngsters as well that, you know, some of the fans would like to see in and around the match day squad and hopefully we'll see him soon. But, um, yeah, they might be going out on loan and, you know, they, we might not see him again. But, you know, Neil's got a busy January, that's for sure. Yeah, just on that, um, it's interesting. Um, I agree. I think, obviously, yeah, the squad does need reinforcements, especially up front. So do you think it's actually better to go out and recruit in the transfer window or, like you said, um, give the youngsters a chance from within or maybe a bit of both? What do you think? Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, I think he has a player in mind in January for a right back and a striker. Um, it's only a guess and, you know, going back on previous history, you know, he does tend to sign specific players uh, if he's at other clubs. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see somebody that he's worked with before come into the club. Um, I'd like to see one of the youngsters, you know, have a chance during this period, um, you know, with the games coming thick and fast. I think, you know, the only way we're going to find out if these players are good enough is if, if we play them. You know, we've got to give them a chance. And it's something, that, you know, unfortunately, we, we didn't see under Mark Bonner, which we would have liked to have seen. Um, but, you know, Neil might have a different view, might want to go and play football elsewhere so they're getting time in, you know, into, into them, ready to come in for, for next season. So, um, yeah, it, you know, for me, the youngsters, I think, should be given a chance. They're in-house. But, you know, as I say, I think Neil's got players already targeted that he's worked with before that will probably come into into the club. And I, I, I would imagine, you know, one of his things is, is that, you know, he's been given a little bit of money to go out and get those players. Thank you very much, Matt. And before you go, we're going to be talking about the Greatest Moments book next. Matt, do you have your greatest moment for the U's? I do, yeah. And it, and it has to be, for me, the, the playoff final in uh, 2014. Um, went through every single range of emotion as a football fan on that day. And, um, you know, just to know that we, we weren't going to be playing in the conference, you know, touch wood ever again uh, was just such a massive relief after being down there because yeah, until you've been in the conference as a, as a football fan and, and witnessed some of that football oh, you, you don't know what the football league's like, it's like heaven so um, yeah, the, the, the playoff final was definitely the, the best the best highlight for me so far I will say so, so far, far yes more to come, hopefully. <laughs> well thank you very much Matt, we'll see you soon, thanks thank you Matt, take care, take care, bye, bye. You are listening to From the Terraces. I'm Amy Gray in for Tim Armitage this week. Did you see Mex, the new book? Cambridge United's Greatest Moments. This is by author Russell Greaves. I believe it's fourteen ninety nine. It's a 224-page hardback. Oh, wow. It's a highlights reel of United's history, including promotion glory, FA Cup heroics, Wes Houlihan, <laughs> and purchasing <laughs> the Abbey. It features interviews with used stars past and present, and the top ten moments as voted by fans. I can't do a spoiler because I don't have them, luckily, or I probably would spoil yeah. it. So what stands out for you, Max? Uh, first of all, that sounds like a great Christmas present. So <laughs> Good one for the used fan in your life. Definitely. Yes. Um, the player final was a, mo- was a great moment. But for me, it was just that game on the 8th of January 2022 um, away to Newcastle. Uh, just for the fans. Um, just being able to have that memory of going away um, to St. James's Park and getting that famous result. Um, yeah, nice stadium. Beautiful. Um, and then obviously um, raising some money for the club as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, for me, that moment stands out. Well, those who um, were at the game could get their book signed at the Abbey yesterday um, from Tom Champion and Harrison Dunk, who Billy caught up with for us. So Dunks, firstly, how are you and how's the injury? Uh, yeah, no, not too bad, thank you. Um, been a bit of a frustrating uh, three months so far, but so the um, end's in sight. I've, uh, so I've got the so I'm all clear to start some grass work, which is um, a good head start. And then, yeah, so probably another four or five weeks and then hopefully back to 
some incontention. And obviously, Mark Bonner's now moved on from the club, but just firstly, what are your thoughts on him as a manager and how he's helped you in your career? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, uh, words, I can't really put to words what uh, Bonds did for me and obviously the club, but he um, sort of gave me a new lease of life in terms of football, um, really made me enjoy my football again. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just no words. He's changed this club from where it was is unrecognisable and um, it's a credit to him as I mean as an amazing manager um, he's an amazing manager but also as a person he's just an amazing person so he will be sadly missed um, but the reality of football is football moves on and I guess it's the next step now Have you had a chance to have a conversation with Neil Harris at all? Yeah I have yeah um, I like I mean he's obviously got an amazing track record um, put his stamp on the team and um, in the building already and seems very positive and mm. looking forward to working with him. A uh, big question all Cambridge United fans will have is will we see back on the pitch this season? Yes, I'm hoping January I'll be back on the pitch so um, hopefully not too much longer. Nice. Um, and obviously you're here promoting a book Cambridge United's Greatest Moments. What is, in your opinion, Cambridge United's Greatest Moment? <laughs> um, or Moments because you've had moments. so many throughout your career. I think... Wembley was obviously amazing just because of Wembley. Um, I think the COVID year, maybe the gloss got taken off because of COVID. Mm. Um, uh, so maybe Wembley in that sense and just the build-up and just Wembley itself and playoffs and the suspense of it all. But, um, and then obviously last year was amazing in its own way. Obviously, it's not so much as a, um, an achievement in a sense. It was more just a relief. Um, but yeah, it'll be between Wembley and um, Cobras. Do you have like a moment where like it's maybe a, a certain goal that you've scored in your career for Cambridge? Is there one that stands out for you? I think it'd be one of maybe Peterborough. I think that was just mm. for the fans, and I think that kind of was the start of a um, run we put together at the end of last year's season that sort of gave us belief that we could get out of. Um, of the situation we're in. And finally, what's your thoughts on where the club is at now and is the progression it's made over the past few years? Yeah, I mean, from even when I first began, which was 13, this is my 13th year, so 12 years ago, it's just unrecognisable. And I mean, it's such credit to the people behind the scenes, mm. the directors, um, some amazing people here that put so much hard work and, and I mean, the new training rounds, amazing. Um, that'll attract a lot of amazing players and it's only sort of um, it's only going to push the club forward and the plans for the stadium as well and it's amazing what they're doing and so it's amazing to see and hopefully they'll show on the pitch and you can get the book at the club shop or cufcdirect.com Mex I know someone who supports Villa and he was showing me some Unai Emery merch and it's a jumper that says we wish you Emery Christmas <laughs> and um, I thought maybe I could dazzle you with some kind of Neil Harris Yuletide pun but I couldn't they were oh, all okay. awful they were all extremely <laughs> tenuous and terrible so um, if, if you've got a good one 07919 and speaking of Christmas let's have a quick look at what's coming up here on Cambridge 105 Radio and then we'll be back with Cambridge United Women. Celebrate Christmas with Cambridge 105 Radio. Winter Comfort, John's Story. But knowing that I had no job, no income, knowing that as soon as that money ran out I wouldn't be able to feed or support myself at all anymore. That was the biggest panic. Rewind 2023. 
I have had it from two impeccable sources that business leaders knew both about the Sunday Times article in advance and about Gove's speech. John Hammond's Christmas Big Band Show. You've got two hours of me, John Hammond, with the very best of Big Band Christmas Swing Jazz Jive. Wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from all of us here at Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello, this is From the Terraces. I'm Amy Gray. I'm in for Tim today and I'm joined in the studio by Mex Johnson Ikbe, who I've upset with my Unai Emery <laughs> chat. Very sorry about that one. Uh, moving on to Cambridge United Women. They are playing today uh, against Worthing and Billy caught up with manager Darren Marjoram earlier in the week. So, Darren, are you confident that this week's game is going to be going ahead? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, obviously the weather's been been pretty poor this week, hasn't it? Very wet. Um, but yeah, a couple of dry days the last day or two and it's been dry through to Sunday. So yeah, fully expect the, the game will go ahead. And how's training been this week? You know, because obviously when you don't have a game for a period of time, how hard is it to keep everyone fresh? Um, yeah, it's a good question. It's, it's been good. Training's been, been excellent this week and, um, you know, we've done some very specific prep for, for Worthing in terms of how they set up and how they might play. They're quite an adaptable team. So... We have to be prepared for lots of different situations that might occur. Um, but we've done that and we've done that well. Been really pleased with, with what we've done. Um, yeah, in terms of keeping people fresh, it's a bit of a balance because we, we was getting, you know, a few people were starting to get some niggles and some injuries and little problems kind of related to the fact that we've had quite a few games. Um, so it's a fine balance between trying to back off and, and loading wise not end up with people too injured so they can't play and it's worthing but at the same time trying to keep us peaked and ready if we if we back off too much you know people are a little undercooked by the time we get to the game so uh, we're very lucky that we've got uh, an excellent physio called Charlie and she's she's doing some great work not just with the physio and mending players that I keep breaking side of things but uh, also doing quite well with with uh, looking at what we can do and and what we can um, plan in loading wise to try and sort of work across different players and, and what, who needs what, really. So, yeah, um, so it's been a good week. You know, we've ended the week without anybody else injured that, that didn't start the week already injured. So, yeah, so far, so good. Without divulging too much, could you maybe give us an insight into what some of the prep for the Worthing game has been? Yes, sure. So, um, th- as I say, they are a really adaptable team. So, we've, we've had them watched a couple of times and we know they've switched between formations. They've played four four two. they've played three five two. Um, and when they've been losing games, they've even gone three, four, three. So they've been very attacking. Um, and they, and they have a, a multitude of attackers that, that can cause you damage and harm. So yeah, we've, we've had to prepare for the fact that they're a team that can hit shots from distance. You know, they're not always someone that are going to look to get in and around the box before they, they shoot. So we've prepared a little bit for that and how we deal with that. We've prepared for where we want to show them in certain areas of the pitch where they might be less dangerous. Um, you know, and how we do that with our shape. And and then also, you know, on the flip side of that, when we then have the ball, how we can most effectively attack. So it's looking at points of attack, whether that be centrally or wide, and, and how we get that, convert that into a, an attempt on goal. Um, so, yeah, so it's been, been quite specific for Worthing. I would say compared to the other teams in our league, they're the most adaptable. Most other teams, you know, kind of how they'll play. Um, with Worthing, there's, a, there's an opportunity for them to play uh, sort of three or four different ways. So we've had to prepare for all of those. And... Uh, and then set ourselves up so we've got plan A, B and C and, and, you know, we can effectively shout that onto the pitch and the girls will know exactly how to uh, how to change our formation accordingly. 
You alluded to injuries earlier. Do you think that you still have essentially the longest injury list in football? <laughs> it's pretty long, yeah. Um, have, I'm just thinking, have we had anybody back? Um, I don't think we've got anybody back yet. So we've, we've, we've got a couple that are getting close and they'll be, they'll be kind of ready for the start of uh, January. So we'll have those back then. But yeah, at the moment, it's, it's still pretty much as it is. But you know, as I said before to you, there's, there's no excuses for us. We've, We've got a depth squad. Um, you know, we are we are missing some players like Fran Steele, who's out for a bit longer term with her Achilles problem, um, mm. who we would love to have available. And, you know, she'd be playing 100%. She'd be starting games. So, yeah, look, it, it doesn't leave you as strong as you were, but we have a depth of squad and, you know, I'm confident in the players that we have. So, yeah, just, just looking forward to the game really now more than anything. Just looking ahead to the rest of the season as well, you know, you you find yourself in... You know, in in the towards the top of the league, but you're not quite on the coattails of those teams at the top. Do you think that the aspiration yeah. for the rest of the season would be to try and catch up with those teams, or are you maybe not really looking at the league table that much? Um, no, I mean we know where we're at in terms of the league and, and positions. We, you know, we we know where where we are, but um, I, I think there's there's a couple of bits here. One is that Norwich and, and Wimbledon, in particular, are two outstanding sides. And, and both of those would easily get promoted into tier three with most of the other regions that, that have a, a division one, um, and, and would be absolutely fine playing in, in tier three. Um, so to get on the coattails of those two is difficult. And that's just the reality is that doesn't mean that we say we can't, but we just know that it's difficult and we've got to, we've got to work hard to do that. Um, we just take each game as it comes because ultimately the only way we're going to get on the coat tails of those teams is going to be to to take each game and try and win each game as it comes along and not think too far ahead so that's kind of where we're at we do know where the table leaves us sitting at the moment um you know we're in the top half and and as you say we're not too many points away from that that next step along but you know there's a whole host of teams that are in that same band really right from qpr in third all the way down to you know sort of london seaward so yeah there's there's a lot of teams that are probably in a very similar position to ours and there's only a few points that separate all of those um so we know that equally as much as we could get ourselves on the on the tails of those at the top end a couple of defeats and you could leave yourself you know further down that group so um yeah it's literally it sounds very cliche but it's each game as it comes we've done a lot of work on worthing we'll try our best again um you know and then we can move on to have a have a bit of a christmas break and then crack on again in january well that one looks fairly evenly matched and well the sun's out here isn't it max at the guider street studio so um we're expecting that game to go ahead right histon is up next so when we come back uh, we'll be talking uh, all things histon Piston were away to Rugby Borough, a draw for them on the road. And Billy spoke to Chris Nunn for us. Tough game for you yesterday. Came away with a point. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it, it was a strange one because we started the game really well. We got an early penalty, went well up, and uh, I felt we were in control of the game. Very similar to when we played them at our place. I felt we controlled the game, if not the ball. And Roach uh, uh, did have to pull off uh, a good save uh, midway through the half. And then... I thought we really bossed the uh, latter part of the first half and missed two or three good chances. There were some good saves. I think it was one cleared off the line to get a second goal. And at half time, I felt reasonably comfortable. Uh, but at the beginning of the second half, I thought we'd come out and we were poor. 
for about 20 minutes at the beginning of the second half. Probably, probably until halfway through the half, I, I thought we were off it. They equalised, and at that point, there was only going to be one winner. So we, we sort of spoke about this when we we, we lost to Bugbrook. Um, we've, we've got to try and find a reset button when things quite ain't going well for you. Um, and I, I've summed that up in terms of um, in terms of when you you know when the team's having a spell against you, you've got to make sure that you don't concede. And and um, we, although they did make it one-one in the end, it was a draw. We hit the woodwork twice in the last five minutes and it felt like a defeat, but, you know, we managed to come away with a point on the road and we'll take that. Yeah, and, you know, since you've come in, the the league table is looking a little bit more healthy. You've moved up a couple of places, but all you need to do is turn a couple of those draws into wins and you'll be moving right up the table. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, the one thing we're trying to do at the moment is we are trying to create an environment. We're trying to make sure that we're hard to beat. Um, you know, one of the guys that does the stats for us, you know, we've looked at from when we've come in, we were conceding sort of 2.6 goals a game. We're now at 1.1. Uh, and they're things that sort of matter to us because we're going to be hard to break down. Um, and we're doing that. So, so we feel like we're, we're making strides forward. But, you know, ideally, we'd like a few more points on the board. We'd like to be a bit higher. But, but we are where we are. And uh, the one thing we're doing at the moment is we're trying to play the right way trying to make sure that the supporters we've got are happy with how we're playing. And, you know, we want to try and kick on. I mean, our main focus is on next year, but we've still got responsibility jobs to do this year. And that's why I did point out as well, it was really important to beat March in the Cam's Invitation Cup because we, we want to try and win that competition. Yeah, so you were talking about um, looking towards uh, next season, but you still have responsibilities for this season as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah we've got massive responsibilities this year. People are paying to watch us play. Um, so we want to make sure that we're treating every game to us. I know it sounds a bit, maybe a bit OCT to some people, but we're trying to treat every game like it's a, a big game because we want people to come and watch us play. We want to encourage them to come back because uh, next season we want to have a real go at, you know, our aim next season is going to be to try and make the playoffs. So mm. for, for me, we've got to show big improvements from where we are now to get to that, that stage. So it's a little bit... It could be seen as a little bit of pre-season for next year, but I think that does the support as an injustice. Like I said, the, 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 it was a big win against March for us. We do want to win that competition and we do want to be successful. And I want to make winning a habit this season. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of work to do, but, but I feel like we are making, making big strides towards that. As, a, as I alluded to earlier, like you're very close to being able to get those results and turn those draws into wins. What do you think you need to do in order to turn those one points into three points? Yeah, I think well, a little bit of consistency. Um, and, and that's consistency within a game, not just over a period of game. So yesterday, uh, we had a spell where we were very, very good. We had a spell where I thought we were poor at times. So we've got to try and get that consistency there. Uh, we need that as well by having a consistent squad at the moment. You know, there have been a lot of players that have left us, you know, and we haven't brought in many. I mean, yesterday, I think from the start at 11, there was only, actually starting as the 16th squad, there was only three players that I brought in. Um, so so we're dealing with sort of a very young squad. Um, and at the same time, like, so we've got some injuries and suspensions and we're still going to places like rugby and, and feeling disappointed when we don't win. So, so the consistency level has to come within the squad. And we have to be more consistent within the 90 minutes. And if we do that, then, then we'll start to improve with our results, not just our performances. 
And just finally, will you be looking to bring in more players before the end of the season? Yes. I mean, this is why I have to be really careful because we've had opportunity with one or two players to bring them in, um, but, but we've got a budget to stick to. Um, and I feel, unless I can feel there's a player that I want to bring to the club, that I want to have him at the club next year, then why spend money this year if I don't think he's going to be around? So I've had one lad who, who would have improved just without a doubt, um, but it, it you know, would have had to, to, to test ourselves as a club financially, but I know that he's going travelling next year, so um, right. why, why, why do that? Why put the club in that position? So as a manager, you have a responsibility to look after the club financially. You know, that is that is one of the, well, probably the most important aim you have as a manager. Um, results are important, but we can all get results if we're spending way over budget. So staying within budget is really important. And um, and we're doing that by, you know, as I said, there's been a lot of player departures, but I am on the lookout for players, but they've got to be right for us. And I want them to improve us, you know, and, and, and that's, that's the key to us moving. So what do you think, Max, going on at Histon? Yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, just listening to the manager and um, just looking at their fixtures as well. Um, I think he's doing a good job. Um, I know they're sixteenth with sixteen points, but if you look back at their last six games, so obviously they got the draw yesterday, but before that they had a couple of postponed games, um, obviously draws and losses. Uh, but like he said, he's had a lot to deal with. Um, he's had injuries, suspensions, um, games off, um, and just and players have left. And obviously, as well as he said, um, it's identifying those right players um, with the budget he has and also people who are going to be committed. Um, but you can see before that, they had three wins on the bounce um, against Leicester, Nirvana, Ely City and Rugby Borough. Uh, so it just shows you when, once he has a more settled team and squad, um, I think hopefully they should start pushing on. Thank you, Max. Uh, we'll go to Cambridge City now. No Cambridge men's fixture this week, but Cambridge City women travelled to London to see with another two o'clock kickoff today. And Billy spoke to Paul Burling. So unfortunately, you weren't able to pick up the points on the road uh, at Worthing last weekend. What were your thoughts on that game? Well, it was a long road we were on all the way to Worthing. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a what I call a, a typical city game. We're in the game for long periods. Uh, held them well in the first half contentious penalty given against us in the 47th minute of the first half. Really unjust, I thought. They've gone one nil up. And in the second half, we battled well, but we made three errors and they scored all three chances from it. Just a little bit of lazy play from from a couple of players at times. Um, but that's the sort of mistake we, we make a lot in the last couple of years. We've got a very young squad. I think Sunday's average age was 17 and a half. Um, the bench was full of 16-year-olds. So it's it's it was a tough one to take at the time against a good organised team with a lot of pace, but it didn't reflect, the, the scoreline didn't reflect the, the game at all. With having such a young squad, obviously you're trying to get results, you know, every week, but how much of it is about, you know, just putting aside the results and just taking lessons from the games? I think 
I think it would be pointless if we aren't taking something from each game and the girls aren't learning each time. We do miss a bit of experience, but what we've got is what we've got. They're all quality players, but you get inconsistencies, never mind game to game. You get them in half to half um, with young players and they're all very talented young players, um, but they just need to be a little bit more consistent um, for the 90 minutes and then week in, week out. And we, we found it for three or four games and then we lost it a little bit on Sunday and I'm hoping we'll we'll step back up and... Um, take a take a good turn into the weekend. And looking ahead to this weekend, you know, speaking to yourself and other people who you know know the league and things like that, London Seaward seem to be a team that you know offer maybe quite a lot physically. Uh, do you think that your uh, team is prepared to handle that? Yeah, I think I think all the London teams you do, you always get a physicality. They all bring a physicality, but if we can play our game and keep playing football, I think we're as good as. As 70-80% of the teams in the league on our day. Um, I don't think the league table does us justice, but I think anyone we've shown this season from Cambridge United in third, who we performed well against and possibly could have beaten, to to the team at the bottom, um, you know, we, we can play well against anyone on our day. We just need to start to turn the wheels of fortune in our favour a little bit more, I think. Make your own luck play better for longer periods, take our chances. It's the one thing we haven't done all season is take our chances. At this point in the season, you know, are you taking, are you are you putting aside where you are in the table and are you just now, because we're bringing in new players, you're now just looking to get results? Yeah, it's the old cliche of game by game, try and pick up points here, there and everywhere, especially with the teams around you. I'm more than confident that we'll finish sixth or seventh in the league um and we're we're looking forward to the season the rest of the season ahead it will we'll have tough games we will have bumps in the road but i think we've got enough quality in the squad across the squad to to stay uh, a formal league team and just finally do you have any injury concerns up ahead of, uh, of the weekend and do you think that you can get three points from the game I think we can definitely get three points from the game. Uh, unfortunately, we we had an injury at the weekend, last weekend. Uh, Millie, our fullback's out injured for a couple of weeks. Um, we seem to get lots of defensive injuries, but we've got a player back from suspension. It's the longest three-game ban in, in history, I think. It's been about six, seven weeks because we've had no games. Yeah. Um, so we've got a couple of players back and uh, one's back from university. So it's it's pretty much you know the squad picks itself these days. We've introduced a couple of young players who uh, one played last week and did very well. So I look forward to seeing her in a more attacking uh, attacking position uh, at the weekend. Thank you for that, Billy. As ever, Medium Al says on text, what would happen if all the games, all the teams, all the leagues, nil-nil for a full season? Don't like thinking about it. Or that, no, just don't. Don't even, let's just not, <laughs> not even think about it. Right. This is from the Terraces, and now we'll hear the first of Daniel Baker's reviews, starting with Histon. Over at Histon, it was all changing 2023, with the biggest story of the year being the departure of manager Lance Key. After seven years in charge, the club legend was shown the door after just one win in their opening 10 league games. His second marked the end of an era. Mark Critoff and Simon Day 
Both members of Key's coaching staff also left the club. He admitted the Stutes had been underachieving and his sacking wasn't a huge surprise. Obviously it's disappointing from our point of view. Um, we didn't fulfil our ambitions this year instead of what we wanted as a management squad. So there was no sort of hidden agenda anywhere. It was just one of those things that you know, it hadn't worked for this year. And the club have new people on the board. They have different kind of directions that they want to go in this now. Um, and I fully accept that. And obviously we've... We've, uh, we've let the club down this year in terms of not being able to perform like we would like to. Under Key, the Stutes were promoted once but relegated twice, most recently in 2022. Key enjoyed being in charge of the club he says he was destined to manage, having joined Histon for the first time in 1986. It's been, a, been an enjoyable ride, too. I mean, it's been a place like highs and lows, but you know, certainly from a, a football club perspective, it has got a big piece of my heart. And it's, it is one of those things that everything, every good thing has come to an end. And, you know, I can certainly say that we We've done everything we possibly can this year and every year we've been at the club and sometimes it's just not meant to be. He also has fond memories from his spells as a player and manager. I have some very fond memories of the football club, you know, that we've obviously been in the league is one of them, but obviously the FA Vars on that same year. Myself winning, you know, the Southern Premier, the Conference South, you know, with the, with the club. There's, there's a lot to, to remember from the football club and it's given me a lot and hopefully I've given a lot back to him. Key's final full season in charge saw Histon finish sixth in the United Counties Premier League Division South. They went on a run of seven wins from eight between February and March, but it wasn't enough to secure one of the two automatic promotion spots. But a return to the eighth tier might be more of a realistic prospect now due to some restructuring of the lower leagues. Rather than two automatic promotion places, there'll be playoffs for the teams finishing between second and fifth. Over the summer, some old familiar faces returned. Lewis Mayer and Matty Allen, both former Stutes, rejoined the club prior to Key's departure. Just like rivals Cambridge City, Histon also had to deal with an early season match abandonment, and it was also in the FA Cup. They were leading Ipswich Wanderers 1-0, but the game was stopped due to a waterlogged pitch. Histon lost the rescheduled match 3-0. Their 23-24 season got underway in July and it took them until late August to register a win in any competition, a 4-3 victory over Great Yarmouth in the FA Vars. It was back-to-back defeats against Ainsbury Rovers in September that sealed Key's fate and the club needed a new manager and in October they got their man. Step forward, former player Chris Nunn. I mean, Histon's a, a great club. Um, you know, you've only got to go back a few years. I remember beating, it's obviously seeing beat Leeds in the FA Cup and, um, you know, obviously getting close to making it into the Football League and, you know, I, I was really blown away by uh, John, the chairman and, you know, his, his plans that he's got for the club um, going forward and, uh, yeah, when we had the conversation, yeah, it sort of went really well so, you know, I'm really pleased to be on board. None is perhaps a familiar face to Histon fans. He managed one-time league rivals AFC Rushton Diamonds and Biggleswade for 14 years, taking them from step five to step three. None left the Diamonds, who themselves had a bad start to the season, by mutual consent on October the 12th and joined Histon the next day. The new manager believes he's got what it takes. What I will do is, in terms of, as a manager, is trying to create an environment where, you know, we, we try and do things right, both on and off the pitch, how we conduct ourselves. And, uh, you know, I've got, I've got no doubt in my mind I'm going to back myself to uh, get Histon to climb the league. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a quick fix. But the thing is, I judge myself in terms of as a manager, what I've done over the last 25 years, not what I've done over the last two months. Nunn's CV suggests he could be the man to take Histon back up the league pyramid. As soon as he arrived, he got straight down to business, signing defender Jake Kerrins from the Diamonds and striker Jim Burnside. But his opening game was a baptism of fire, a 5-0 defeat to Daventry. Nunn says he learnt a lot from that game. There was a period where we were quite gung-ho, and it sort of it killed us. You know, we got three goals in six minutes, so we've now got to try and manage the game better in them situations. So try and take the heat of the game when you when it goes two 0 instead of you know you're running to get the ball when the ball goes out of play. You're taking quick free kicks, you're taking quick throw-ins, and it's like 
just take your time. But evidence of improvement was there for all to see in the games following the Daventry defeat. Histon went on a four-game unbeaten run in all competitions, winning three of them. The high point was a 6-0 home win over Rugby Borough in mid-November. They need a strong start to 2024 if this season is to end in promotion. And a promotion is something the Stutes ladies managed last season and they returned to the sixth tier after a two-year absence. From the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. Daniel Baker reporting for us there and he is back hosting on the terraces next week. Thank you very much, Daniel. And there are two more reviews to come from him on City and United. Shall we take a look, Mex, at those upcoming festive fixtures for the U's? I mean, Exeter, Oxford, mm-hmm. Stevenage, Leighton Orient. There's got to be some points in there, isn't there? No, 100%. And as Matt said earlier, um, I think we can definitely get some points there. It'll be a good, like I said earlier, it'll be a good way to finish the season. Hopefully, we get a win against Exeter. Yeah, they've Hope- had some poor results, but they did hold Stevenage. So, they did, yeah. they did. Um, Oxford will be tricky. Uh, Stevenage as well. Um, but again, maybe three points from there. That would be mm. nice. And then, yeah, Leighton Orient. Um, nice way to start the year. Um, but one we haven't really mentioned is the game against Blackburn mm-hmm. on January the 6th um, that's definitely something to look forward to and uh, yeah imagine if we can uh, get a great win there and uh, get someone like uh, Aston Villa you, you know Emery <laughs> can come back we'll have a Merry Christmas <laughs> uh, well we're nearly at the end of the show thank you very much for company today and thanks to my studio guests Mex Johnson Ickpayan and to Matt Lockwood and Billy Harling Waters Les Ray Strummers and Dreamers is up next this has been From the Terraces and I hope you have a lovely rest of the weekend Radio